Magic. <laughs> the magic begins. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. Welcome, st- Mr. Nico Stefan. Thank you, sir. At uh, I forgot the at sign. <laughs> <laughs> I have an instrumental here for you. But baby, don't abort I believe the marriage is ends Between a man and woman But between love and love and I believe you when you said that You lost all faith But you must believe in something Something, something I Gotta believe in something Something, something Still believe in men Always oh, won't ask me why Cause I just don't believe we're wicked I know that we sin But I do believe we try We all try The girls try The boys try Women try Men try You and I try Try Try, oh, we all try uh. Don't believe in time travel Don't believe our nation's flag is on the moon Don't believe our lives are simple Don't believe the short, this is interlude Don't believe my hands are cleanly Can't believe that you would let me touch your heart didn't believe me when I said that I lost my faith Must believe in something Something, something Gotta believe in something Something, something Oh, why don't ask me why? Yes. Just don't believe we're wicked. I know that we sin, but I do believe we try. We all try. The girls try. The boys try. Women try. Men try. You and I try. Yes, try. Try. We all try. Uh, uh. Try to believe. Just try to believe, I do believe Yes Check Woo! Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a teaser for later <laughs> hey. I choked up a little bit, I got caught up in my breath, bro uh, Oh, I thought you meant choked up, you were thinking of something No, 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 no. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Positive. Positive. This is also the Queer Chris Love Advice Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I might learn a couple things, bro. I'm still learning. Learning? I meant love advice that I'm getting love advice. (laughs) What do you think this is? (laughs) It's a a two-way street, man. Always learning. 
We are always a student. Always a student. Always a student. So, welcome fam. Thank you for blessing us with that piece. That was Frank Ocean's We All Try. That's a classic. Yeah, man. I just, I put that instrumental together today at work. Like in between classes, working with the students. And then I was like, man, I don't have anything new that I can show Queen Chris. So then I was like, man, I need to whip up this little flip the way that I would do it. I be covering a lot of stuff. Um, I need to do more originals and I need to tap into my voice a little bit more better. Yeah. Well, that was clean. <laughs> How come you chose Frank Ocean? How come you chose We All Try? I think, uh, I think I chose that piece because I think with everything going on in the world, it's just hella easy to get discouraged. Uh, and I think definitely after graduating, I just hit that slump. Like last year I graduated from Berkeley and not really having a real direction of like where I wanted to go. And I think during this last year, um, because of my best friend, uh, my mom, and just my family in general, it's like those three things mainly. Oh, my Lola too, so four. Kind of reinstilled my faith in a new way. Like I, I've tried to find my new relationship with God. Um, and redefining what that looks like. Because I feel like I, I fell out of faith for a very long time growing up. Like, mm. Growing up very Catholic, I just kind of fell out of love with the church. I, did, I felt guilty for not going sometimes. And like, But now I think following the Christian faith, it's a lot more digestible for me and a lot more applicable to how I see the world. Mm. So I chose that piece because Frank Ocean is dope. Frank Ocean is dope. And you don't see him very often. I know, this guy needs to get out of his little cave. <laughs> his like, little hermit. I know. He, want, he uh, Supposedly, he's already recorded another thing. Like, that's the rumor that he's like, yeah, I've recorded it, but I'm just not releasing it. Like, that's his little secret thing. He said, I'm going to release that thing by the time, I mean, I'm going to record an album by the time I'm 30 or something. And then yeah. people are like, hey, you're 30 already. Yeah. And then he goes, I never said I'm going to release it. Right. Right. So it's like that little secret thing. Yeah. I mean, from what I remember, you know, just a lot of the buzz about Frank Ocean came when he came out as, as bisexual. Right. And so, I didn't, I didn't think of that. Like, That's the power of Tumblr. No, he came out of Tumblr, man! <laughs> that was crazy, bro. Remember 2011, like 2012? Those were the days, bro. With all the, the swag memes. Yo, and I was at the concert in LA like a few days after that because he released it yeah. right before he had this concert for yeah. the Channel Orange, yeah. if I remember right. And then I remember people were just talking about it, like yeah. on the hype of, mm -hmm. and on the the zeitgeist, right, of yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. Just so crazy how that overtakes it. Yeah, and and that's that's real too because I feel like that's maybe that's one of the reasons I can't assume nothing because I don't know, yeah. and we're not him, but he. Maybe because of how the industry system is, right? That when all that buzz came about, he kind of had to be a recluse to kind of, you know, diminish his outward appearance to just work on what he wants to without having anybody kind of providing the input. Mm. Think about how many artists are just like, how many artists um, create capital off of their, their social capital, right? Like their presence on social media especially. Frank Ocean has none of that. Mm. And he's still a fucking genius. Sorry, I'm gonna say that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot worse. 
<laughs> yeah, but and then it's crazy because you know Frank Ocean. As soon as he puts something out, everybody's on it. Yeah, and he'll put stuff out like that. Moon River. Yeah, I haven't listened to it like in full, but I've seen it. Yo, it's it's clean. It's a classic, right? It's crazy that he's taking these old songs, redoing it, yeah. and then it becomes a classic for our generation. Mm -hmm. And then people be putting it on a six-hour loop on YouTube, like a Moon River six-hour loop. And that's how it plays. <laughs> people listen to it just in the background and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just so like powerful his influence. Yeah, in that sense. And. And I think that's, I don't know, being behind the scenes, that's kind of what I want to do a little bit more. What do you mean? I feel like, and we can talk about this later, but being in Blue Devils, um, as a drum major for that group, it was something where I was like literally always on the forefront and always under a spotlight that I just realized it took a lot of energy out of me. I liked it when I was in the moment, but I think after looking back on it now that's I think I'm more of an introvert than I thought I was <laughs> yeah. I think, wait so so you're saying um, when you said I want that's more of what I want to do yeah like you want to be in the background mm -hmm. in terms of but still be doing music yeah doing creativity work and yeah and I think that's why I don't know it's a hard thing right because you've got to get your stuff out there and it's not that I don't have time to do it, I just need to make the time for it. There's a difference between those two things. Um, but being behind the scenes, I think it's just, I don't have to get caught up in worrying about the perception of what other people have of me. Mm. And that's one thing I'm trying to get out of the mind of. The mind state of is kind of just trusting my own work and my own creativity and I'm reaching out for help when I need it. And then kind of just like creating a catalog. Because I, I used to just create hella stuff all the time and always put it out. But then, then I would have nothing like for months and I would just not put out anything. But I need to just start creating more. And it's hard though, because you gotta work, you gotta make money in this world, mm -hmm. especially in the Bay. Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so let's zoom out a little bit. We got a little bit of the creative side, right? But give me a let's do a little the what I call the identity theft round. <laughs> we just get a little background info of who you are, right? In the bigger context, right? Alright, All right, so well where were you born? Where did you grow up? Okay. Uh, my name is my full name is Nicholas Martinez. Birth date, social security date, number. Social security number. <laughs> What's your sign? What's your sign? I'm a Taurus. I was born in April. April 21st. Okay. I'm 1995. I just turned 23. Hey. Um, no, that's good. Yes. All the time. All the time. <laughs> God was good. <laughs> I didn't even grow up doing that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was born actually in Michigan. What? Yeah. Okay. I, I lived in Michigan for four or five years. Um, your parents were there. Yeah, so my parents, my parents were together in high school. We met each other in Fremont. In high school. In high school. At oh. Uh, yeah, that's local Bay Area Filipino yeah. right there. Yeah. Uh, and then so my parents graduated high school. They had me, I think, around 19, 20. Um, before that, my dad's parents moved. My dad's dad moved to Michigan for a new job. So then, as soon as my parents found out that they were having me, they uprooted from the bay 
and moved out to Michigan to just kind of have some help. Yeah. Um, my mom is the one who immigrated when she was 12, and then my dad is second generation. Because his parents are the ones that immigrated from the Philippines. So that makes me, I guess, two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, kind of. So two and a half. half. Like, so our math major help us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, regardless, I wasn't the one who immigrated. Um, and I think recognizing that has been crucial in me kind of finding that identity for myself when it comes to being Filipino American. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was born in Michigan. I remember I remember parts of it, like a lot of snow, a lot of tornado warnings, living in a basement um, when that shit would happen. Um, and then in 2000, so my, my parents are both nurses, or in some capacity. Um, so they had gone to school for that in Michigan. And so, not surprising at all. Or actually, very surprising. Your Philip, your Filipino parents are nurses. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's my. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> I said to make a joke there. Nice. <laughs> it's a joke. But shout, shout out, my <laughs> Shout out to my mom. Shout out to my dad. Shout out to my whoever. Else. Yeah, cousin. <laughs> yeah, and I think well, we can talk about that later about like you know, common trajectories and. They used to have people living in the Philippines to go do nursing. Yeah, right? yeah. But um, so I moved to the Bay, I mean, the city specifically, in 2000. And I've been there since. Um, I think Union City is like the second most populated in terms of Filipinos concentration wise. Next to Daly City. Next to Mecca. <laughs> Capital. Capital, where we have two Jollibees. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's real. I think. Uh, it's just crazy because I think I've, I've realized that I've had a lot of opportunities growing up, especially within the Bay. Um, and, and both of my friends have pretty financially stable jobs. Um, Did you grow up around Filipinos, like yeah. in the city? Yeah, I mixed uh, a lot of Filipinos, but I think I could say that I've, I was always a, a people person. Which high school, Logan? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See, I know where they all go! <laughs> That's my story. <laughs> the more I talk to Filipinos from the Bay, like let me, let me, let me, I can be like a fortune teller Filipino, mm-hmm. like of like where you come from. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> if, no, if you don't sing, you dance. Huh? <laughs> yeah, nah, I never dance. I was in Chubby. <laughs> <laughs> chubby boys, let's go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean. Uh, did you? I want to know when you got into music. Yeah, I know you said yeah in high school time. Middle in high school, middle school. I think, bro, everybody in middle school was playing. Really? <laughs> uh, but my parents, so my dad was actually, I think on the on the side he was a teacher. So at home, he has all these records. Like he has, a, I think, a wall full of just cases of records. Um, and so he would always DJ with like all of my uncles and all of his homies and stuff. Mm. And so... If that's garage parties? Kinda. Yeah. There's a dope book about that Union City, Hayward, Daily City, the Legions of Boom, and all the Filipinos who were DJs. And through house parties, through garage parties, that really like uplifted the scene of DJ. That reminds me of the uh, DJ movement. Right, right. Mm-hmm. That started out in the 
in the uh, I guess the South City area. Yeah, Bay Area in general. Yeah, we had like two movements on the Davis City and one in the city. Um, like in that area, at least. I don't think my dad was like strongly part of that. I mean, for him to have me, for him and my mom, my mom to have me so young, I kind of just pushed them to really just be really relationship check. Um, but yeah, like growing, growing up, we always played music in the house. My mom was playing music in the house. They were always singing. Um, oh yeah? They were just like, singing? Like what were the tunes yeah. that you would hear? What was it like? Is it that R&B time? R&B. Yeah. R&B. Um, a lot of old R&B. Like, Jealousy. Voice the Man. Voice the Man. Jagged. Jagged Edge. Shy. Yeah. Sade. <laughs> Madu. Ron Hill. Um, but then my dad was like always into hip hop too. So like, but he would sing too. Yeah. yeah. So he, um, he he has a wide range of, of like music sounds that he kind of draws himself to. And so he was always into a lot of the older hip hop, like Pop, Baby, Nas, mm. um, Tribe. So that's kind of where a lot of my hip-hop and R&B roots came from. It's just listening to what my dad had to put on, right? So like, he'd always be playing Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, Luther Vandross, and all that. It's crazy, because I don't think I realized how accustomed my ear is to just hearing sounds like that. And then, but then also just listening to shared music with all my homies growing up, like from middle school especially. We would always just like sit around and lunch and just play hella loud music. Um, and so it was a, I grew up around a lot of Filipinos, but then also I think just inherently being a people person, um, I always just like met new folks. And I was just quick to connect with them, just, you know, naturally. Like through music. Through music, mm -hmm. but also just learning and, and trying to listen to who they are, where they come from. Um, and establish a very human connection to people. I think uh, being chubby growing up <laughs> forces you. Yeah. Forces <laughs> you to be funny. Why do you think I have so many shows? <laughs> <laughs> Bruh, like that's that's so fucking real, dude. Like, I, I saw there was this tweet. There was this tweet yesterday, last night, right? It was like talking to girls. This girl posted. She was like. You may not be the prettiest face in the room, but yeah. you can be the kindest one. Yeah. And uh, and um, like a kind one is uh, kindness is better to have than prettiness or whatever. Yeah. And then I was like, bro, you may not be the tallest in the room, but you can be the funniest <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was me. I was always like short, dressed out, <laughs> very wide. I always had husky pants on, uh. and I think I used to meet it with a lot of insecurity. But now I kind of embrace it as like, this is me. That's kind of the last year yeah. of me trying to learn how to be unapologetically and authentically myself. And that's hard. You played ukulele too? Yeah, so middle school, middle school I started in, in band. So sixth grade I was auditioning for all these different instruments. I remember going to like, to my middle school gym, trying out different instruments to see what would be most fit. My first instrument ever was tuba. And so playing that big old brass instrument really got me interested in just like the fundamentals of what it means to be a bassist, somebody that plays the root of every song. And so I played tuba all throughout middle school, learned how to pick up guitar and ukulele at the same time, um, just outside of the concert band room. In high school, 
I continued to play tuba and was like really heavily involved within marching band all four years. Um, and then my second semester of my freshman year, uh, one of the directors, one of the band directors at Logan's campus asked me if I wanted to start playing string bass. And so that's when I learned how to pick up and play string bass, upright bass, like that big old thing. Um, and that was like a very hard process because I had to learn how to adjust my ear to listen to the fine tunings of how to play that instrument because you know there are no frets on 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 violins, cellos, string basses, etc. None of those instruments have frets, right? So it's all just a flat roseboard. It's not like a guitar where you can mm -hmm. see where you're putting your fingers. So that's where and so I, I learned how to play classically, but I really fell in love with jazz band. So they had me jump into jazz band my sophomore year. And I don't think I was ever the strongest player technically, but I always had, a, I, I felt like I always had a really good ear for just what sounded good and what fit, whether it was melodically or learning how to play bass lines that kind of fit with the music in general. Um, so I'm, I'm very blessed to kind of have that foundation of, of music. And the marching band was a whole other thing. That's kind of what I learned. What do you think drew, drew you into like wanting to join band in the first place? Like, um, was it? I. I tried choir in elementary school. <laughs> that was fun. So then when high school came, or when middle school came, they were, my mom was like, okay, you gotta choose what she wanted to do. I was doing martial arts at the time. And I wanted to do, my dad wanted me to do something else. Both my mom and my dad. And I think, I think uh, it was either band, choir, or activity wheel. Activity wheel is where, activity you, wheel. It's where you can do all the cool shit. Right? What's that? All the cool activities like, you know, wish that um, activity wheel. So is that like you just change activities every other every quarter or semester? Oh, a fucking underwater basket weaving, bro. Underwater yeah. basket? What? I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to envision that. It's like, why are they doing that? Nah, no, yeah. So it's to keep the fabric really loose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so the coconut fibers are hydrated. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so, well, the band directors in high school, they would always make that joke. They're like, do you not practice? Do you want to go join underwater basketball? And I was like, they need a fucking class. That's not true at all. Um, but yeah, so I think, out of those three, I think, you know, I had tried choir. And my mom was like, don't do activities that you don't know what you're going to be doing. Or it's going to change on a damn time. Do bad. I was like, alright, cool, I'll do it. Did they play musical instruments? Your my mom didn't. Uh, my dad, I think, learned a little bit of piano growing up. Um, but he made me DJ. Um, and they were just always singing. I guess if you count an instrument, voice of voice. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, I've been trying to just pick up new instruments. I've only recently learned how to play a little bit of piano. I think having the foundation of jazz, that's kind of where I learned how to, uh, you know, um, just learn a little bit more, so, yeah. Um, so, I wanted to ask, like, what were the shifts, especially when you got into, like, jazz? Yeah. Huh. And then how do you, like, because I know you said that that's, like, your main, like, where you learned a lot of, one of the one music, of yeah. like one of the, and that really like influences your music, uh -huh. like right now. Yeah. Like what about it specifically? Uh, 
just the way that the melodies fit into the pocket, uh, just the way that the music grooves and feels, I think that's something that I really picked up from jazz is that, you know, there could be all this notation on paper, all of these things composition-wise that are created for you to follow, everything that the, the author or composer wants you to follow, but it's really up to the players in the group to follow what you feel organically and create something that vibes as a as a whole. Yeah. And so that kind of is what plays into my head when I'm creating a body of work is how can I create a, a whole art piece and not just, you know, do something robotically. Um, and it's hard, right? Like with the way in which you create music now, it's a lot easier on a laptop to do it. But, you know, you, you could easily lose that human feel if you're just doing everything on a grid, right? And so jazz is very much off the grid. It's, it's how you feel it, right? The I remember the director, he was, he was saying stuff like, you got to feel it and you just got to fit in the pocket. Like, and I'm like, that's not what the paper says. What do you mean? He goes, listen. And so we would listen to a lot. That's one thing that I picked up from that group is that the more you listen to, the more you'll be able to pick up, right? And that's kind of a a philosophy of life and also music. It's just mm. trying to keep your ears open and mind open to anything that's coming your way, right? So I think with being in jazz band specifically um i learned a lot of chord voicings that were kind of weird and and not and very unorthodox uh learned a lot of rhythmic patterns that what were your favorite um voicings oh shit minor seven chords like always my favorite um they're simple but they just have this certain color to them that really just shines in a very subtle way mm. and you feel it if it's paired with a really nice like laid-back groove it's really dope um like a lot of my music none of it is really happy <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean like it melodically you can hear that it's not some maybe some of it is happy but i think you know when you're thinking major versus minor keys i do a lot of my stuff in minor keys just because i feel like that kind of encapsulates the mood that i'm in mm. um since music has always been hella therapeutic and like it was the class that I look forward to most. It was the time period in the day that I, you know, felt the most whole. Um, And sometimes it was an escape for me to come out of like just regular school. I was doing pretty well in school, but band I think is where I was having the most fun. Um, But jazz, jazz in particular, that was, that was a good time for me to just, learn different styles of music. So we're playing a lot of Latin, a lot of ballads, a lot of swing, like classic jazz, a lot of funk. And that was the hardest because, you know, that's like when you listen to really good funk bands, like back in the day, the music is like all over the place, but they make it seem so flawless. And so like when we're trying to play it as as young musicians trying to learn, it's just hella hard. Like there's so many notes on the paper, but the professional musicians they just do it so much and practice so often that it's just second and third and fourth nature to them to just learn how to do that right. So I'm very grateful. I probably should have practiced a little bit more. <laughs> but Oh, during high school? Yeah. I, I just, I never took practicing very seriously. Um, I don't regret it, but I think looking back, I, you know, I probably could have practiced a little bit more. I, I think I was just too inherent 
of relying on like my natural ability to to feel the groove to feel the music that i didn't put enough technical uh, enough of a technical foundation in the music itself um which i'm trying to make up for now a little bit um with stuff that i'm producing currently or so for example like you said like the music that you did like especially when it's jazz it was like off the grid mm -hmm. in comparison to a lot of the on the grid computer production now right how do you yeah. in, like include that style in for example this production that you just did a while ago yeah right what are different ways that you try to like put some life into this yeah. computer production uh Especially I, when you're doing your instrumentals right. and things like that. Knowing your fundamental background on Yeah. It. I think a lot of it just kind of comes from being able to create shit that sounds human, right? Because you can tell when you when you have something that's that's like a metronome that's just playing as a backbeat. Super simple. Um, one thing that I, I've been doing a lot lately is just incorporating different percussive sounds, um, different piano keys. A lot of a, a lot of jazz uh, that I've used to that I that I've been used to playing is like a lot of electric piano heavy, and a lot of the a lot of the current R and B that I've been listening to is it's just like real jazzy in terms of the chord structures. That's one thing I'm trying to learn more is how to incorporate different chord structures and progressions. Um, and just listening to a lot more. Um, who are your top R and B right now? Oh shit! Who are you listening to? And who you feel is on the grind? Uh, music of the week. Music of the week. Nico. Uh, I've been bumping a lot of Sir from TDE. Mm. Um, Sir. He released a body of work last year called November. Um, there's a track on there called War, that's really dope. Produced by mind design he's they're both from la um that track is super dope it's called war by sir his entire album is is super dope it's like he has a very sultry voice uh very just silky smooth and it, it pairs well with the production it's like very subtle and laid back uh, another one of my favorites right now mac ayers yeah. he's from new york uh, that dude he can sing yeah. like his, and he can play instruments really Doesn't well. Does he produce? He that, Mac those, Ayers. Yeah? Mac Ayers mainly plays keys. He has a drummer and a bassist and a guitarist, but he plays guitar too. Uh, and but his voice is just like so damn smooth. Like yeah, yeah, you should listen to that. Uh, he and he's just been touring. Like he he just has a very blessed voice. Um, he did a show, I think, a couple months ago with Jeff Burnett. Oh yeah, yeah. He opened oh, up. He, up, he opened Burnett. up for him in uh, L.A. I remember listening to that dude too back in like what 2010. And shout out to Jeff Burnett. He's on his grind. He's one of those like from the older days who's still doing it yeah. like well right now. Yeah, like, and I and think consistently. And he's one of the folks, few folks that have kind of branched away from just doing YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Right, like I yeah. think when YouTube all started, you had a lot of Filipinos, uh, Filipino Americans. I think especially just taking over YouTube. With yeah, they were covers it. and originals and stuff like that. That they kind of 
could be easily caught in that world of just staying within YouTube. That's actually where I got a lot of the start of like my sound and music and shit from. Like, my homies and I would only play one gay Bondock song. Like, <laughs> what, Lemonade? No, and, and yeah. Passions oh, Lemonade Passions too. Yeah. Gay Bondock's, um, oh, I don't remember that. I could play it, but I don't remember, I don't remember the, the name of it. I don't remember the name of it. I don't. I, I only know what it sounds like. Well, sing it, sing it a little bit. What was it? Is it my fault I can't speak? Mm. That my body becomes weak? Or that I can hardly move at the very thought of you? Woo! I, you, I, dog, I feel like those folks like really created love for our generation <laughs> like on some real thing like there was i'm pretty sure they were the soundtrack to a lot of middle school relationships i agree like, and high school like for us our age because they were like they're a little bit older yeah. than us like yeah they really like put us there right like on screen that right. we could actually watch like because we're not on tv right you yeah. don't see filipinos up there but we finally had someone that looks like us it, killing it on the screen and that was crazy YouTube so I, screen. yeah and i think that was a very big inspiration just seeing them do their thing and and that was one thing that i was like okay i'm gonna make youtube i never did it though i think it's just it's a lot of work well not a lot of work but I, maybe i just didn't fall in love with it um but seeing a lot of their stuff like i remember i remember seeing uh gabe lee j and passion do their uh glp medley mm. where lee j would beatbox gabe would play guitar and passion would play keys i was like this shit is dope <laughs> 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 it's so good <laughs> and it's like it's it's all music that we love to hear yeah. and it's it's weird because like filipinos really love r&b yeah i don't know why but you hear a lot of like a lot of that shit is like you know weddings i think it's because it's very close to like harana like uh, yeah. old school filipino ballads That's like in a lot of current ballads like filipinos love ballads yeah and then r&b was the one that close most closely resembled like that feeling that yeah. the vibe of it and it had a little hip-hop influence that like yeah our generation loves yeah right so i think that really that might like, pulled that that's true man you know i think especially just growing up i can't say for myself that i have close ties to the motherland right and i and i'm i'm trying to learn i just gotta go to the yeah, philippines yeah. right have like, you ever been nah hmm. i have to go and i think and that's it's crazy right because for a lot of our homies for yourself too as we've talked before is that the philippines is also home for you hmm. but i've never felt that sentiment right and so but then learning more about how the identity of being Filipino is so fluid, right? I think it's less of a thing for me to feel guilty about and to just come into acceptance and like everything that's with it. So like one piece of that is learning about harana, right? Like yeah. serenading. Yeah. Like literally 
yeah. courting somebody. <laughs> Man, I wish I just <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> God damn. That's like half my Instagram posts are like yeah. subtweet haranas, bro. <laughs> One day. If you only knew who you were. <laughs> One day, bro. One day. <laughs> One day. One day. You, you, I you, hope you, you know that Trust that me. song was for you, but you will never know. <laughs> <laughs> then that's the thing, right? Like, I think it's so crazy how deeply ingrained it is. And we don't even know it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we we love the spotlight, bruh. Right. And but the thing is, half of the time we gonna be saying that shit cheesy, bro. <laughs> On the outside, that that shit cheesy, man. Yeah. But inside, you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, we just we just love that, being man. out there, and so you know, I don't know. I really grew up in like R and B, and and that really just permeates a lot of the stuff that I I create. Trying to get more into, it. I've done like a lot of weird electronic shit. Oh yeah, just cause like that's what I've been listening to as of late. A lot of the stuff on SoundCloud is like old '90s music, flipped with a lot of hard 808s and trap drums, like and a lot of it is just like the floor. Yeah, type. not only that, but there's just a lot of stuff that I've been listening to where it's really bass heavy, and I think. Uh, just really angular in terms of its sound so i'm trying to move away from that a little bit and and go into more r&b hip-hop type stuff um that's kind of what my goal has been lately i need to write more mm. i really do need to write more as a segue could i ask you to do the uh easily cover yeah that i have for you and this is because we were just talking this is Mac Ayers, right? No, no, no. no. Bruno Th- Major. This is Bruno Major. Yeah, okay. Mac Ayers. That's yeah. I know. I was listening to a few Mac Ayers one on my Spotify. Like, I've been, I've been on this thing too. Like, vibes of music really affect almost your daily life. Like, if you put together a playlist, yeah. right? Of like, I think it's almost the frequency that you're right. putting your body in listening to the same music, the same thoughts, the same sounds, yeah. right? Like, if you're on the hustle, you can have a hustle playlist of, like, Jay-Z, like, on his grind, right? Yeah. And then I created this, like, I went through a breakup and I created this moving on playlist. I played that for a few months and I started feeling better. Yeah. Then I created a new boo playlist. And then those are like <laughs> the, the new, like you're interested in someone type feels. And then things in my life kind of move in that direction. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. It's kind of like magical and odd at the same time, but yeah. almost in your power. Like if you be listening to the same music and you curate it for yourself, okay, it's like you can. Yeah, I think you can almost create no, I, the life that you want. I feel that completely. Like, um, man, why? What music you be listening to? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, one I've been keeping Daniel Caesar's album on repeat. Who? Daniel Caesar. Oh, word! I feel you. Freudian. The whole the whole Freudian body of work has been. Dude, that, the production on that is so smooth too. Yeah. It's not over the top. Yeah, it's just clean. That 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 whole album, I think, sonically, lyrically, and emotionally, all those three things kind of embodies what you just said, right? Like, and it embodies all those different emotions that you just talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Like the inception of love and how it's a very it's not something you can logic your way into or out of, right? Uh, um, and it makes you do crazy shit, 
right? And things that are beyond, I think, what we're conscious of. And that's what I've been realizing too is like, um, it's hard. It's never easy, right? And what is what's hard? Love. Mm. I want to ask you that question. <laughs> what question? Uh, I'll, sa- the- I'll save it. It's a good question that my best friend always asks me. Okay. And we're like, but I'll save it. I'm going to wait. For, for, the, for the right moment. For the right moment. Okay, don't forget it. I want to know what the no, question trust is. Trust me, I have it at the okay. top of my head. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe after the, the, uh, maybe after the song, once we get into the vibe of love, and we talk <laughs> a little bit about love, this maybe. Is, this, this is a breakup song though, bro. You already know. Oh yeah, it's a breakup question. What? No, 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 Which no, one? no. This song, Bruno Mar, uh, not Bruno Mars. The easily, I know. Yeah, Bruno Majors easily is a breakup song. Kinda, in a way. We all have those. We all go through it, for sure. Bless us. Okay, wait. Let me get this. And and you produce this. You produce the instrumental. Yeah. In so for easily, I just basically produced the whole thing. Took the the original and flipped it on his head. Dope. All right, let's do this. I don't think there's a word for what that is. Actually, there is a word for that. It's love. I'm in love with her. Okay. If you're looking for the word that means caring about Ooh. someone beyond all rationality and wanting them to have everything they want, no matter how much it destroys you, it's love. And when you love someone, you just you you don't stop ever. Even when people so sad. Or call you crazy, <laughs> even then, especially yeah, then. How I met your mother. You just, you don't give up. Because if I could give up, if I could just, you know, take the whole world's advice and, and move on and find someone else, that wouldn't be love. That would be, that would be some other disposable thing that is not worth fighting for. But that, that is not what this is. Don't you tell me that it wasn't meant to be. Call it quits, call it destiny, yes. Just because it won't come easily It doesn't mean we shouldn't try it hey. Check. We had a good thing going lately Might not have always been a fairy tale, but you know I know that they ain't real I'll take the truth over the story Might have tried my patience lately I'm not about to let us fail I'll be the wind picking up your Won't you do something for me? Don't you tell me that it wasn't meant to be. Hey, call it quits, call it destiny. Yes. Just because it won't come easily doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Side out, back to front Oh, tangled and messy That's how we've been And we'll always be 
that's alright with me Don't you tell me that it wasn't meant to be No <laughs> Call it quits, call it destiny, yes Just because it won't come easily Doesn't mean we shouldn't try Let's try again Oh That song always makes me so sad. <laughs> hey, I mean, some real shit. Things don't come easily. Nah. But, is that really a breakup song? I don't know. I think it's maybe like a... It's like in the middle, middle of a ground. fight. Yeah, 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 right? Middle ground. Um, I, I think I had I covered this one like... Uh, were you going through something? Yeah, me and this person, we were going through something. And um, I think that was like a very, very deep relationship that <clears throat> her and I shared. Thankfully, her and I are still best friends, still super close. Um, but I think that it was it was only a year, but that year felt like 10, bro. Like it literally felt like 10 years. Uh, just in terms of learning, I think about myself, uh, le her learning about her herself, and learning about each other. Um, one thing that I think I, I came away with definitely is that as men of color, how can we not put the work that we got to do with ourselves upon somebody else? <laughs> right? Like, and I've fallen culprit to that, right? And just, I think, learning to undo a lot of intergenerational things of like, for one thing, dishonesty or lying. Like, that's shit that you know we would always just throw under the rug and i've done that right and that's like me accepting that is is step one of me learning to do that um and then for the both of us too right like but this song it was like a call to action i was like please hear me i'm making this shit for you to listen to <laughs> and i'm meaning everything that i'm saying right like See, that's that Harada shit. Yeah. Um, and it's, bruh, like, if this is what love feels like, it's, it's this song, you know, that it's, it's never easy. Like, why is it that we've fallen into the idea of what a perfect love could look like and trying to emulate that when that is far from what we live in this world? I have a question for you. <laughs> What's the question? What is love? For you what is love is this a question that your friend asks yeah. what? i think um love think is like <laughs> think hard the <laughs> it is rooted in acceptance and growth and um like seeing the beauty in another person or yourself right because there are the different types of love right and i'd like that that keilani song ain't 
somebody can't nobody love somebody that do not love themselves mm-hmm. right and i do think on some level there's a certain amount of self-love that will that is necessitated for you to actually authentically love another being yeah um and yeah. another person uh-huh. and the the love that gets propagated in media yeah. is this is somewhat like it's it's cute like especially in a lot of ukulele songs right it's perfect but then it's not comprehensive right and like the different aspects of love like sometimes love is challenging where you have to challenge the other person for growth yeah. sometimes love is accepting their flaws too and accepting them for who they are and not trying to change them there's that brotherly love see i don't know i can't i don't know if you can like distill it to something to like a singular answer because it's so multifaceted that there's so many things at play like even brotherly love right like how come i can't tell my brother i love you or how come i was not socialized like that right now i do but then how come i i I wasn't able to before how come when i try to kiss a brother like on the cheek saying goodbye it's like if they haven't grown up that way it's like oh like that shit that's gay bro right (sighs) and you get no i don't want to be gay Right, and that even if I grew up kissing my dad on the cheek, yeah. right, um, and changing in different places that we live in, and I think, I think love is, but at the core of it, love is the most beautiful driving factor of things. If you can authentically love other people and approach situations with love, even if it's a stranger who's doing many shit. Like and understand that okay, this is a person who has gone through life and has arrived at this position mm-hmm. because of the conditions that they've gone through. You can still love them in the sense of like, all right, I gotta settle you down, but I'm doing it out of love, right? Doing the actions out of love, right? Like I think it goes in line with this Filipino core value of kapwa, yeah. right? Like kapwa tao, like seeing yourself and other people and and understanding that okay. If I love myself and I have that authentic ability to accept myself for who I am and I see that I am actually you and these other people, then, all right, I got to learn how to love in a way that's beneficial for all of us. Right. And love and accept you like that. Right. And does that answer the question? Kind of. Kind of. But well, I think, but it's totally different from like romantic love. That's another type of thing. Well, what sets those things different? Um, it's the experiences within it that teach you the other facets of love, right? There's this, there's this idea of like um, the three truths, right? Like I show you this cup, this mug. You see a mug with a handle, right? That's your truth. I see a mug with writing on it. That's my truth on the side. And then there is the truth of what this mug actually is. And... We don't, we, we don't really see it unless we see the other person's perspective. So I think that's what love is like too, where there's different parts and experiences of the, ex- of the whole concept or the whole being of love that it kind of takes different relationships for you to experience it. Be like, oh, I can love this person as a friend. Oh, in a relationship, if I truly love this person, I ain't trying to change them. Mm. But then also maybe... In a friendship, right, if my brother is doing whack-ass shit, I love him enough that I'm going to try to change him for the better. But 
it's like a balancing act because you don't want to change your you don't want to be controlling to a partner and try to change them like i want you to dress this way act this way like do this and that because that ain't really love yeah so, so it's it's such uh is it not though what is like if it i don't know i feel like maybe sometimes we just complicate the idea of what love is too much I don't know why. Like I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm a romantic, bro. So, I feel it. <laughs> yeah, that's why I think I'm it's a big it. question. I'm <laughs> <having it. laughs> I think I, I think I've, and I think what you were talking about just then, is that idea of letting your ego go, right? Like letting your ego down to to hear somebody else's perspective. But for me, that was a hard thing to learn how to do, just to drop that. And I respect those who are able to just let their ego down for their vulnerability and, and to allow themselves to embrace their fears and to like fully experience them, find something beautiful. Cause that's when love actually happens. It's all those things that you say, right? And, and also I don't think that maybe it should come at the expense of others, right? There's a lot of maybe internal work that we have to do first to, to be able to fully be okay with here and not let somebody else feel that. And I think we talk about it a lot, but then we also do the opposite mm -hmm. unconsciously because mm -hmm. it's, it's there. It's like ingrained. Yeah. And then we end up reproducing the same problematic shit. Yeah. And bro, I like, in terms of what you said as men of color reproducing fucked up intergenerational shit, like that's some real things. Like when you say that we got to do the work ourselves to do our own healing yeah. so that we don't, because once we get into a relationship, those things transfer on. Yeah. It's like a, I view it as a union, but then the shit that you carry starts getting carried by the other person and vice versa. So if we really are to do good in this world especially when we talk about romantic love and relationships i do believe that there is a certain amount of self-responsibility and healing that has to be done no no doubt like and i agree with that concept because no doubt because if that person's not there how, what are you gonna do that's what i fell in the trap of right it's like putting all my cards out on the table and placing it all in one person because i think i fell into not having enough or thinking of somebody as as everything one person is everything when i have to have my own cup overflowing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right like and i don't think i've i realized that until within this last year and being able to practice it like i don't know just even my homies and close people around me just perpetuating fuck shit like just <laughs> oh you're cool man just do all that i'm like what no but actually thinking and, and and putting that into practice is is very difficult see what i wanted to ask you though you say you are romantic right yeah. i would say i'm that too but i started questioning where does your conception of being a romantic come from is that the socialization from these movies that put a certain image of what love or romance is to be mm. because 
that at least for me that's what i felt like it yeah. what do you what's your conception of what you mean by by being a romantic and where does that conception come from what is that uh, i think the first thing that comes to my mind is uh somebody who never gives up in terms of love and maybe even hopeless sometimes like somebody that who who continues to press on and, and try to make shit work right like and and sometimes and one thing i think that was hard for me initially is just learning how to give space yeah yeah i think as somebody who always wants to talk shit out like in the immediate whenever there's a conflict learning how to give space has been a hard but healthy thing for me to do when it comes to people problems relationship etc right but i thought being a romantic was like we're only gonna fall into like this love idea but trying to redefine that as somebody that just like um within coming from with the intention of love but then also recognizing the impact of that that's like real that's a different thing like and that kind of comes through with my music and the way in which i try to interact in the world now right uh, one thing that was always brought to my attention you could have the purest intentions If your impact is fucked up, it doesn't matter, because you can still hurt somebody, right? And um, so I think that's that's one thing about mindfulness, right? It's not so much that you have to control every little piece of an outcome that's going to be happening, whether that's in an argument or shit that you go about in your daily life. But it's just like it's just about what you want to put into the world, right? Like what what you may find funny. To yourself might be really painful to somebody else and that's that's i think what i've been learning about within the last two to three years um but like being a romantic that's part of it it's learning how to love somebody like they want themselves to be loved mm. not the way in which you perceive it mm. or how you want to be feel or how you want to feel it be filled english hello sir <laughs> mom sir <laughs> um It, it, like because i would say like there's there's a certain limit too because you said lo loving like w persistently yeah. right but what if what if the love that you want to give is not what they need and they don't want it anymore from you no is a perfectly good answer and so is it letting go yeah. but still loving yeah um I think a lot of beauty f can come from that too is redirecting that energy to yourself yeah um and taking a breath from everything that you're going through because when you're in such an emotional state you feel everything in extremes and that can tire you the fuck out uh. and will just keep you in a low place forever um and that's not healthy right uh, like for anybody and it's it's one of those things that you that i that feeling of breakup bro you never <laughs> want to wish upon even your worst enemy uh, you know yeah um but it's but then you realize like okay what is it not what this person did not all the outside factors but it's like what do you have what do i have control over to make this situation better for me 
did I have enough for myself before all this shit went down for me to be okay in, in securing who I am for myself, knowing who I am for myself without having to have somebody else prescribe whatever they feel to it about me. And so, I don't know, man. <laughs> <My, laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I, I, I'm just thinking, dude, the whole fucking Daniel Caesar album is what's really... <laughs> it's been on your mind. No, yeah. And yeah. I, I'm putting it in the middle of my DJ sets and shit because it's like, I need people to be feel sad a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's the shit, man. It is one of the greatest things in the world. I think it all starts from really our parents psychologically it really starts from our parents and what we see and if it's if they're separate then you kind of that that separation really fucks you up dude like that's kind of been the case of what i've been trying to 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 situate and and mm. and, and just be with for myself my parents have had a very on and off relationship and so that kind of that kind of hits home right like my parents are very dope and strong parents they come together for all of our like events and stuff for me and my siblings my younger siblings i have two i'm the eldest um and on top of that too i think the things that i've seen unconsciously growing up i perpetuated either unhealthy behaviors um in relationship or even just in the way in which i carry myself right or trying to overcompensate for what I did not see. Mm, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, and that's the hard piece to it, is trying to separate what we saw growing up and also learning that not the, the relationship that, that we share with the people around us is not the same in which we saw it growing up. Mm. And so we can't expect the same things. Expectations set you up for resentment. Quote that. It's like that idea where as kids, we thought all the adults had the answers, right? And yeah. then you become an adult and you're like, dog, y'all were dumb as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, if I don't have my shit together now, y'all definitely didn't. And yeah. I thought y'all had the answers, right? Yeah. And then you realize, okay, they're humans. Then you start going through this compassion, right? Because yeah. I'll share, my parents also separated, yeah. right? And I think we talked about this yeah. before. And then like how... I didn't have a model of what it meant to be a man in terms of as a partner, yeah. right? Like I had a model in terms of what a father is to a child because he was, my pops was still a good father in terms right. of hugging me, giving me love like that. But I didn't have like a good role model of what does it look like for a man to be in a healthy relationship with a woman in in yeah. that like that specific context. With their partner. Yeah, yeah with their partner, right? Um and it's like, okay, now we have to do a joint process of deconstructing our own past to see what has influenced us, realizing how we either have improved on it or how we perpetuate similar cycles and, or similar behaviors and then put in the work yeah. to improve or not. Yeah. Right? It's like we have to do our own therapy <laughs> like from just this analysis. But... The beauty of it is the reflection. Yeah. Right. We have the capacity to do that. Yeah. Right. One thing that's been helpful for me is actually going to therapy. Mm. So I've been going, I think, for the past maybe eight months, nine mm. months. And that's something that... Does your insurance cover it? Uh, not with this guy. Oh. Um, 
but since I'm living at home, I can still afford it. My insurance cover covers a portion of it. So learn about your insurance policy. Learn about your insurance. <laughs> Make the most out of that. But I, paying for that. But I think that the, the biggest thing about therapy and counseling, right, is that it's all about building a relationship, right? So I felt like once the conversation about money started coming up with him, I was like, I don't think I want to leave this current state of what I've already built a foundation for to just start with some, somebody else because just so that my insurance can cover it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think having that space of being in therapy has allowed me to, to learn how to be 100% honest with myself. Um, and that is the most beautiful thing because then I'm starting to learn how to carry that into the world. Mm. Like accepting all of what I've done wrong, everything that I fear, trying to slowly pick away at those experiences, my past, what we've seen growing up, and unpacking those things in that space um, so that I can have a more wholesome experience with that and not separating and separating that from what might potentially trigger me in the present. Therapy's not for everybody, but it's been very helpful and beneficial mm. for me. But it's important to get that dialogue to see people actually using that service because, right, Filipino community, mental health and therapy yeah. has been hella stigmatized yeah. in terms of like, oh, you need you need therapy or you need yeah. or depressed. Like, you're not depressed. You just need to you're be happy. You're stressed or like things like that. It's been yeah. historically stigmatized yeah. in our community. Yeah. Right? And I think... Uh, We're in a space now where we can really redefine everything that's been used to describe us, whether it's stigmas or any of these terms that kind of perpetuate inequities within communities mm. and, and define all those things for ourselves without having somebody prescribe that to us. And that's one of those things. It's like, it's like if you need help, bro, just get it. Uh, if you're not able to, reach out to somebody, especially a mentor or somebody that you can trust to help guide you in the right direction so that they can point you to the resource that you might need, right? Mm. And that's a big thing, right? Because we always just toss shit under the rug, bro. Like, that sense of hiya in our community, yeah, bro, is yeah. so real, yeah. right? So even anything that you can think of that's not quote-unquote normal, it'll just stress you out even more, right? And so... That's very real. It is important that, like, you know, that people actually talk about it, though. And then, which I'm grateful that you're even just sharing, right? Yeah. Because, like, we did, for the Filipino Mental Health Initiative. Yeah, in the a city. Group in the city, right? Yeah. It's just really realizing that the stigma has real effects on even the youth. That, like, um, here's a stat. In San Francisco, USD, Filipino girls have the highest rate out of all subcategories for I suicide ideation yeah. and actual attempts yeah. of it. And that's crazy just yeah. to think about that's within our community and it's something that is not addressed, not talked about. Yeah. Because like 
the term that they always use, oh, baliw siya, or like, which is crazy, right? Like, oh, baliw lang yan, just whatever, ignore it, right? Or don't they don't talk about mental health issues within the family because they'll be, sh- yeah, the, the shame within the family even, like, oh, you're a shame to the family if you're not doing this, you're not going to school, you're not achieving a certain amount, right? Fuck that. Fuck that. <laughs> Louder for the people in the back, fam. Fuck that. <laughs> Man, like, I think, yeah, but we so, are in a space. I think that you're, you were just saying we are in that time and space where there is there are tools that we can now use to create the world that we want and ho- the communities that we want. It's uh, hopefully right. Like that's not, nothing in this world is ideal. Yeah, but I think the work has you're to pessimist. always not pessimistic. <laughs> hope like. hope is one thing, right? Because it could be hoping for something could be very passive. Uh, uh. It's it's different than being proactive and trying to make your goal or intention come true. If you put intention to your hope, that's creating a goal. Because I can't say I want to be fit and just pray that I want to be fit. I wish they chubby all my life, you know. Um, but I'm still happy, right? Like, but it's like one of those things. Depending on what faith you follow, or if you don't follow faith at all. I feel like everything in this fucking world just happens for a reason. And I think the more that you kind of, I've realized for myself, the more I go against the grain of what's going on, and the more attention I put to a certain situation, the less beneficial the outcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's some love lesson too. That shit, <laughs> that shit, you can learn so much about life through yeah. your attempts of love and like getting at people, right? Yeah. I realized that bro on like what have you realized epiphany shit like if i force things if i be talking about my crush right to hella people and then i'd be like getting in my head of like trying to talk to this person in a certain way to get them to go out with me like make a little joke here and there that's yeah. like very intentional of like trying to trying to get them to yeah. like me it goes through the shitter yeah but then if i just if i'm just chill if i just if focus you just on be my yourself be myself even my weird ass self, right? <laughs> With hella weird, emojis bro. and shit, right? It works. It just works. It's just like, what? They lo- the, Whoa. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of the, these weird matrix codes that people tell you, right? Be yourself. Yeah. All right. Um, be authentic. Like, See, that's, that's the thing, right? But it's real lessons, but right. you, you're, you don't know how to use it. But it's, once you live life, you're like, oh shit, that shit's true. Don't we, as people, just complicate things too much? times I, th- I believe i think so i feel like we just like for me i realized i i just i upper manage a lot of shit right like i i always try to think cerebral through, yeah think through all these situations but it's like look bruh calm the fuck down <laughs> let it be right just like but i'm like no 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 all this tension right and then all of a sudden once i'm once I meditate a little bit, try to learn how to calm my anxiety a little bit, recall those things that I love doing, then it's just like, okay, just let the experience stay here for a little, just let it go. Letting go, the art of letting go is, is and the power of letting go is like one of the hardest lessons that reoccurs, right? I saw that, I saw this one thing. Uh, somewhere where it's like 
you know the universe will give you the same lesson over and over uh in different ways until you master it mm. right um that's the idea of reincarnation in a way yeah but one thing for me is learning how to be present right i think i've had very muted experiences with a lot of shit because i was too caught up in trying to capture it on my phone <laughs> right and so putting the phone down allows me to just really tap into like either the music that i'm listening to the person i'm talking to the space that i'm sharing with somebody um and being fully engaged in that and that's like one step for me to be able to do that is that what you were talking about a while ago when you were saying you were being a little reflective on your usage of social media and instagram yeah, for sure i think every time shit would pop off I would immediately take to like Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram in th in that consecutive order to just post how I'm feeling about some shit. Um, and that's not healthy because then I'm just using it as a as a way for somebody else to kind of recognize that. And then I think unconsciously I'm trying to get people to ask me questions sometimes mm. when I need to learn how to, as somebody who has a very strong support system in different ways, learning how to sit with those sentiments on my own and those experiences and just how I feel about them on my own through writing. That's what I've been trying to learn how to do. Um, and getting less caught up with the, uh, man, social media really fuck you up. You yeah. know, like, I think we're so caught up in just receiving instantly. Um, instant gratification of just you know photos that we post um content that we create right like i want somebody to get this and the thought patterns yeah get replicated in our own minds right yeah and so i realized that it's hard for me to take like a, a hiatus for so long i was so in the spotlight for like four years straight four summers straight that the context this is for blue devils this is the um competitive marching band yeah. and you were the conductor yes 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 thank you for that context uh i was literally at the front of the field all our uh, three three to four years right so a lot of people were asked to take photos of me stuff like that um and so now so before i was just like always trying to post stuff about about Blue Devils, about that experience. And I'm very blessed and grateful to have had that opportunity. Um, and maybe I can talk about it a little bit more in a bit. But, you know, I think learning how to get away from what social media actually is or, or, or learning how to use it in a healthier way for myself, that's kind of been what I've been trying to do. Uh, posting less, putting the phone down more trying to find more joy and just being in the world um, and unpacking my own shit without having to express it outwardly, you know, with that initial raw emotion, um, which is valid, right? It's not like you can't do that, but, you know, am I doing this for somebody else to see? That's a question I got to ask myself. It's like a tool. Like, how are we actually going to use this tool? right yeah how like, do you yeah i mean every to each their own on how to use it yeah but how do you feel about it 
I agree wholeheartedly that it can get too much. Like, I was just on it too much two weeks ago, bro. Yeah. Like, I'd be vibing with somebody and, like, I'd be checking my story yeah. if they've seen it. And then I, like, get caught up and just scrolling too. And, yeah. um, like going through it all, uh, posting on Twitter. Like yeah. I realize that there is like a healthy level of usage of it. Like what is the purpose? And for some people, and even for me, I like the concept of sharing yeah. for either inspiration or your creativity, right. like w a very specific intention for sharing. But when I end up using it as an immediate vomit of like how I feel about a certain topic, like what you just said, especially on Twitter, it's just like, bam, bam. It's yeah. not really thought out about like the implications of this or the um, the impact of this or why I'm actually posting it. Yeah. That's where it gets bad yeah. in the sense. And like, it's, it's also though like very scientifically back to make us addicted to it. Yeah. All the reds. They're all endorphin rushes, all the notifications and having them, they even change what gets a notification, what you get a notification for, yeah. so that it gives more chances for you to be addicted to it, right? right? And it's all backed by their own research trials, right? Yeah. And it is, it is something that's very powerful because I've connected with hella people. Right. I think I connected with you before actually meeting you. I yeah. don't know how, but I met you like in person at Cal, but I know I, I connected somehow with you online. I forget yeah. how. Yeah. But and that's the power that, of it, right? Yeah, there's a power in it. Like I've connected with folks from Union City just through like IG and then getting right. them on the podcast. Like Shouts out. Shout out Jehu, yeah. uh, and then it's like it's just interesting what power it has to for you to connect to people, but also at the same time, uh, a a pit yeah. you can get caught up in. Yeah, right. Like, bro, when I was in this relationship and that thing with Kehlani popped off where yeah. she posts a picture and then party next door and then it, this whole influx of thinking that she cheated and shit like that. I remember looking, spending time like an hour on my phone looking through comments, going back and forth between accounts, thinking, oh, did she cheat? And then that being replicated with my own suspicion of my partner, like, ooh, what's the possibility of them cheating? Yeah. And then kind of juxtaposing that fear onto like projecting onto my partner in an unhealthy yeah. way and that's all because of social media right. so being aware of those i know sometimes i have to step back like yeah. i'll delete it sometimes if i see myself on it too much yeah you know? so i feel that it's it's a it's a fine line it's like a tool, right? They say yeah. it's like a tool, but how do you use that tool? You're gonna use the hammer to build a house or smash your wee wee, right? <laughs> like it's like, are you gonna use it productively or is it gonna hurt you, yeah. right? And it's it's like we gotta learn how to use the tool, yeah. right? And it's yeah. kind of crazy when it's too much. Yeah, right? that yeah for sure. Um, All the damn thirst traps, man. And I catch myself on that, like liking a picture, then my homie sends. You know, you heard that no, no. Uh, J. Cole song? Off, have you listened yeah, to J. Yeah, yeah, fell in love off the photograph. Yeah. Bruh, that's just real. Yeah. Like, and, but you don't, but the reality is there's a whole person behind that. Yeah. And you probably won't vibe. You probably, like, yep. I now know, like, some of my homegirls, they look fly on a photo, but yeah. then I know them as a person. I'm like, oh, they're just my friend. <laughs> like, I just, I don't really, like, I don't see them that way, but they yeah. look fine on the photo. 
And then I'm pretty sure there are other dudes who be looking at that but don't know them as a person, right? So it's like this yeah. disconnection, even if the tool is for connection. Yeah. I, yeah, that's real. It's it's a lot to take in, right? Because yeah. I think with how easy it is to access everything, right? We just, if it's there, we're going to use it, yeah. right? And how, how can we bring a level of humanity? Really, that's what it is. How can we just bring it back to the human world, right? Like yeah. with Twitter and shit, you have <laughs> equal amounts of funny ass memes and crazy <laughs> ass shit that you get in the world, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. like, that's the use of it, right? The shit that'll take away the brain cells, but also make you laugh. Yeah. And then the shit that will break your heart, right? Like all the shit going on in the world, man, it's, it's crazy. And, and then all this stuff that we see on Instagram, like we're so caught up in missing out on stuff, right? That I, like at concerts, I don't record them anymore. Yeah, because everybody's just on their phone <laughs> recording at concerts, yeah. bro. That's yeah. all they do. And then just put a, post hella Snapchats of yeah. it, right? Like, you ain't there, you ain't dancing. Yeah. I know you ain't dancing. When you, <laughs> You're too busy like this. Yeah. But to each their own, though, right? I own. think. Because sometimes I do like watching it. I'm yeah. Like, oh, I'm like, fuck, so, I wish I was there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I'm you like, for Ooh. sharing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put my headphones in. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's dope. That's dope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That That's why, right? Like, it's it's a balance. There's a yin and yang to everything, right? It's, and it's all in mediation, right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's just like, I guess, just like everything. Weed, alcohol. You drink yeah. too much, you'll get fucked up. You have yeah. a red horse once in a while with a homie. It's cool. Yeah. Right? It's just like Shout weed. out to red horse. Shout out to red horse. I have two in the fridge right now. Maybe later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting more allergic, bro. Really? The older I get, both my parents are allergic. And they get hives and stuff. But we've staved it off for a while. When yeah. I was younger, just drink it's fine. We'll just build tolerance. Yeah. Now, after a beer or two, I get a headache. Like bad. Before it was like way until like five or six in That's but now it's just one beer certain beers just hit my head like that i'm like no i have to <laughs> stay with like the cabernet the wines it's a different hit like yeah. for older people <laughs> yeah dude alcohol alcohol just i've had eczema all my life yeah right? yeah so eczema and alcohol do not yeah. they're not friends at all yeah. it drives me the fuck out and i also get really red so like yeah it's just a bad mix. Bro, I want you to go to the Philippines. That's what I... My lola been telling me that, bro. I She's had like, two homegirls. go into the water. Bro, two homegirls. Bad eczema out here. Born yeah. and raised Bay Area. Yeah. Go to the Philippines. We are out there, especially in the province. The humidity cleared it. Beautiful copper skin just coming out, bro. No eczema, no medicine. They didn't use it at all. It was yeah. just beautifully just... Because you're made for yeah. that climate you're we that's made, her I, ain't made, I ain't made for this fucking climate <laughs> yeah. i love you bay area look you see this shit right here but goddamn, your weather hates me <laughs> but that's why all the filipinos out here in daily city because even if it's cold it's foggy fam that's humidity <laughs> <laughs> that's hydration yeah. it's oh uh, i do want to talk about it's really interesting though because eczema i think has been right like with how our society is set up and what we look like too many, a lot of people are very caught up in like perfect skin. Yeah. Right? And I've always had like marks, scars on my elbows, just from like stuff that I've had growing up. And so, learning to love myself in that way mm. has been, I think, 
a journey, right? Because I, I'm you could. Ninety five percent of the time, regardless of the weather, I'm in a hoodie. Yeah, just covering myself up. Yeah. Um. So they recently developed this medicine. It's a it's an injection, a uh, corticosteroid that you inject in your thigh, that in a certain amount of time, all of your eczema is supposed to clear up. A lot of my homies, a lot of my close friends are like, hey, you should try this. I'm like... Have they used it? They have. It worked for them? It, it works for them. But I think because it's a weird it's a weird thing. Even my parents too, they're like, you want to consider it? I was like, ah, we'll see. I think because it's been so closely tied to my identity, if I was to just fix it, it would be kind of like losing a piece of myself. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so learning how to love all of me really like because i've had it since i was like five yeah or no younger than that maybe um but learning how to appreciate and just like come into my skin in that way is is another piece to it right like having brown skin is one thing but also having brown itchy and red skin at the same time <laughs> like it's it's weird intersectionality no, <laughs> no it's uh yeah 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 yeah, yeah so um, I have a few friends with eczema and then there's this perfect uh, meme. It goes, real friends tell you to stop scratching your <laughs> eczema. <laughs> That's when you know they're real. <laughs> your closer friends help itch you. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, fam. I got you. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to ask when you were talking about that though, um, what has helped you develop that self-love or self-acceptance? What's that process look like for you? For you to get to that point, because we can talk about self love. Yeah, but what's uh, that? What's that look like? Looking in the mirror, just saying I love you. Word, like first I do that too. Once in a while. Thank God for the day. First thing when I wake up, and then when I, you know, wash my face, brush my teeth in the morning, saying I love you in my head, or just out loud too. Um, one thing that my barber Richmond taught me, uh, he shared shout with out. me. Yeah, shout out to Richmond. Crown City Cuts mm. on Instagram. Hair how Max. Much? How much? Uh, 35? 20 to 25, around there. Depending. I don't know. Yeah, depends Plus on tip. Tip your barbers. Tip your barbers, always. You might fuck your hairline up the next time. <laughs> <laughs> Looking like LeBron out yeah. <laughs> um, But one thing he, he said with me, uh, he's like, if ever you feel you know, stressed or something like that, just close your eyes. And, or, or, sorry, not close your eyes, but um, just look at your hands, right? And just kind of just say like, okay, this is what my hands look like in the present moment. We'll turn them over. I have five fingers on each hand. I have a ring, two rings on my right. You know, just kind of pointing it out, right? Looking at, uh, for me, it's like, I have eggs on my wrists and then just going. And then I close my eyes a little bit and I just think about from the top down, going out to my extremities, what I feel, what I see. And so I think for a lot of my life, I kind of hid it from myself until like, I remember over the summers, people would ask me like, oh, dude, you're still sunburned at this point in time? Because we would be out for the whole summer, right? Mm-hmm. Like 24-7, we're out in the sun practicing. So a lot of us get dark and toned and tan. And my skin would always have that red tint to it because I was itchy, not because I was sunburned. And so I would low-key internalize that a lot. So I think now it's just uh, learning how to just appreciate it for what it is and like this isn't something that completely defines me it's just a part of me um and and it's fine mm-hmm. right like i think i've uh with the help of a lot of close people 
um, affirming that, look, what you got is nothing compared to what other people got. Um, I have to constantly remind myself of that, that what I could have is something completely worse. Um, I'm just thankful that it's not anything worse or or uh, chronic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I st- I'm still able to walk. I'm still able to eat. Still able to breathe. Like you in America compared yeah. to like rural Philippines, even, yeah. right? Yeah, a lot of opportunities and blessings. So like, self love also comes from practicing gratitude. Mm. Just practicing gratitude um, and saying sorry less. Like I, instead of saying, you know, sorry for keeping you waiting, maybe just saying, or sorry, you know. Saying stuff like, like thanks for waiting. Yeah, thanks for waiting for me. Um, puts a lot less stress on my own mental. Um, Self love is it takes way more effort than mm-hmm. than anything else. It's like right? a habit that you yeah. got developed. I think, bro, organizing within the community for hell alone, like at, at Berkeley and in high school too. I was constantly surrounded by people. So once graduation hit, I was just back home. Me and my family, me and my partner, and it was a way different environment to be in, right? Because it's kind of like a culture shock. Of like for four years straight, I was invested in being around people and being in that energy. Um, and so, learning how to cultivate a new relationship with myself, that's kind of been my journey lately. Mm. Uh, and it's never easy because you got to sit with all the scary shit. Yeah, that you want to face on your own, right? I have to ask you. Yes. What are one of your biggest fears? Um, I know. I just. I think I was reflecting about this the other day. Um, like a being disappointment to my family, but the weird part is that they're never gonna be disappointed in, in me because they're that f- Filipino family support shit. Yeah. Right. But knowing that i could have done more and disappointing myself because i didn't make them proud especially my lolas right before they pass right uh, that's yeah that's one of my things i'm getting emotional right now yeah like now knowing that one of my grandma lola in la is like um going through dementia and um yeah. like has really pushed me to finish school and I put it away for so long. So certain things like that where I won't be able to support my family, support my mom when she gets older or my dad, um, that's one of my fears. But also like not doing the work on myself that I end up being a bad example for those coming up, like the younger men in my life, my little cousins, like on some real shit like i feel somewhat responsible sometimes when my little cousin be spewing shit that sounds just like me from five years ago yeah right but like i'm in a different place now but i'm not there to model for him or to be to go through the work with him on the daily basis we, we to, evolve to tra- to transition right i yeah. want to be there for him to transition too but he's he lives somewhere else yeah. right and so to think that my influence on them has done unhealth has had an impact yeah. to where they're not healthy right now, yeah. and then to think that I'm going to do that, I have the possibility of doing that to 
my future kids because I definitely want kids in the future. Yeah. But like, I don't want to reproduce the same like bad habits, yeah. right? That I've done or my parents have done and things like that. I think the first step is just at least if you get acknowledge what those fears are, then you can learn about what it takes to unlearn. Yeah. Right. Like that process of unlearning is it first takes you to be fully conscious of what you want to change right for yourself first right because outside of yourself if you can't change it within you like there's no way you can change it around you right so it's it's fully embodying that and i think well you know a lot of the expectation is that something that they're putting on you or that we're putting on ourselves I honestly, I would accept that it's kind of putting on myself, knowing my own capacity yeah, and knowing that it's kind of coming from understanding my own privileged life, yeah. right? Because like I, I'm able to immigrate here to the US, right? I'm able to be in this nice ass studio yeah. and do these things, right? I ain't, I ain't struggling with, with, I mean, I have debt now yay school <laughs> but i mean i ain't struggling struggle in terms of like having to go out get hella loans right yeah. um and knowing that i have been blessed with so much in comparison to even a generation before me who had shit yeah. where they were growing the food that they had to eat like little spinach or just eating rice and soy sauce right yeah. and then seeing how far they've come from that like damn if they can do that i can definitely go leaps and bounds more and uh, give back in that sense and if i don't i know i'll feel bad because i've already had some of those moments of reflection yeah right and i'm like oh this is bad but wait let me transition and get you to sing for us because also, I have to take a restroom break. Okay. So, you'll sing while I take a restroom break. Okay. But I want to go back to the human. So, no more of the instrumental. Give us the acoustic cover of that Daniel Caesar song, since you were talking about Daniel right. Caesar. Let's do okay. it. Okay. Let's do it. Let's get some some human. Some human into here. Because I did. I heard. I was a little um, spoiled a while ago. I actually heard a little bit of it. And that shit was clean. Because th this song, bro, has been stuck in my head the whole damn semester. Even the whole year. Yeah. And I've never sang the whole song completely. I just sing it throughout the... Through drought and famine. Like, yep. throughout the day. And it's always stuck in my head. That's the first one that just goes into my head when I'm just it's walking good, it's around. It's a hella good song. Hella good song. So, let me get this closer. And then you will bless us with this acoustic rendition. Okay, 
and famine, natural disasters. My baby has been around for me. Kingdoms have fallen, angels be calling. None of that could ever To your eyes, I see all I need. Yeah. Every time I get a bit inside, I feel it. Oh,
That was Daniel Caesar. Do you know Daniel Caesar is actually Filipino? <laughs> His real name is Nico. Shout <laughs> <laughs> out to Daniel Caesar. <laughs> As Nico was saying, he doesn't want to be in the spotlight, so he has somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Uh, <laughs> you know what I found myself doing is like telling Twitter and Instagram, I'm going on a hiatus. And then I don't do it. You know <laughs> what, what do you mean? Tell it your your post there. I post about it. That like, I'll, I'll see you later. Type shit, and then it's like, boy, you ain't getting like off two days. Two days yeah, later, you're like, fuck, I need to tell someone this. Yeah, yeah I feel you. I've done that a yeah. few times. Like, I, the only th- time that I actually followed through with it was I deleted because I needed to submit an essay, and then I was on my IG for too much, and then a friend of mine was like. Yo, delete IG. You ain't down until you submit your essay. I was like, okay, fine. And then yeah. I did that shit. Then I, I was like, I finished the essay because I wanted to be back on IG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it worked, but it is, it's, it's a pull. It's a drug. Yeah. Because I think it's also playing on the most important drug and emotion of humanity, which is connectivity it's and love. connecting uh, with people. This, like, it's a drug that you could be addicted to. Yes, it's and love, that, right? Like it's, getting caught up in that and and using using it in unhealthy ways and and trying to find ways in which we could use yeah, it, yeah. right? It's like, but you realize it's not something that's you can't just buy it at the store, you know. Mm. Like it's it's it takes investment, it takes trust, um, being able to build that, and I've I've broken that. And like trying to rebuild that is one of the hardest things to do. What broken what? Trust. Love, trust. Yeah. Because uh, cause I've been selfish, right? Like, uh, and that is, is not, it's not cool, you know? And I think that's a one way ticket to lose the people that you love most is by breaking their trust and being dishonest. Lying is the number one killer of any relationship. And I've been I, there. I've, I've done, done that. I believe so. Yeah. I've done that because uh, I saw some a lot of it growing up, and I thought it was okay unconsciously. Uh, but learning that any truth is less painful than any story or falsehood that you create—that mm. is something that you can say to somebody, but they probably won't realize it until they actually see the fate of lying play itself out. And that's what it was for me. Um, Lying just has like this long term. It's a snowball. Yeah. It's those old sayings of um, one lie will snowball into another. That shit's real. Yeah. Like you don't realize until you're in it. You're yeah. Like, God damn, this is I all around me. St- yeah. Yeah. And it, all it takes is just one. I always say like, bro. My memory ain't good, so I won't remember my lies, so might as well tell the truth. Yeah. Right? Like, because you have yeah. to remember all the things you said. That's real. To get, stay in and line with your life. Thank you for sharing lie, that. Like, right? Thank you for sharing that. Like, that's something that I don't think a lot of people realize. Uh, maybe they won't ever realize. Right? Like, they're just so quick to lie. Because I think... And, and I've fallen into that habit. And it's not... I realize it for myself. I'm like, now I'm, I'm in a space of, like through therapy, yeah. especially, 
learning what it means to actually be 100% honest and truthful so that I can cultivate a stronger relationship for myself. Like, you know, the danger of it, I just remembered the experience of lying so much about something. I remember, I forgot what the topic was, what I lied about, but I remember around when I was 18 or 19, I was trying to stunt, right? I was always trying to be cool going out and stuff. And I remember lying about something repeatedly because I wanted to look a certain way. Then a few months later, I realized that I was actually believing it. I actually believed my lie until I realized, wait, that was a fucking lie. And then I realized, wow, I'm just deluding myself. Right. And that w- those were one of the moments where like, whoa, this shit is dangerous because yeah. you're lying to yourself. And that's yeah. like the most unhealthy thing to do. Yep. Because like there, there's no improvement there. Yeah. Right? There's no growth. Yeah. When you lie to yourself, you can't improve and everything. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I agree. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. For, for me too, it's, Telling myself, like, now, from this point forward, like, I'm only going to tell the truth as I know it. Yeah. There's this book, Four Agreements. The Four Agreements, and the very first one is be impeccable with your word. Yeah. And that one includes not lying, right? Yeah. Not gossiping as the other ones. And really realizing that our words have power to create or to destroy. And I've I've been on both sides. Yeah. Um, in many different situations of saying hurtful shit especially and not being conscious of how it would hurt right because I was too selfish to understand that I mean we live and we learn and I was, there's a lot to it that I haven't shared obviously like yeah, yeah, yeah. that I'm still trying to fully realize for myself yeah Um. but man it's it's an ongoing process and shouts out to the real people that stick by your side to to uh, support you through that yeah. shouts out to who 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 say it be specific no <laughs> no <laughs> no that's that's personal <laughs> uh, i want to get uh touch on a certain topic okay um you went from union to james logan you yeah. went straight to berkeley yes you got how what was that initial reaction because uh like James Logan, for context, Union City, just a very working class yeah, community, especially sure. the Filipino community there. Yeah. There's very, a lot of working class families. Yeah, there. working class, middle, low to middle. Income. Income. Yeah. But my, my parents are both nurses, and so they'd be classified middle income. I think I've been blessed and fortunate to have, and to realize and recognize those experiences yeah. that I've had many opportunities that I, I think maybe I, I've taken for granted growing up. And then, anyway. Um, going straight into Berkeley. That shit was crazy. Like, you know, you do well. I did well. I did relatively well in high school. I think school was like one of the things where I knew how to do well because I was the eldest. You know, always being told do well in school. Um, and I always wanted to set a good example for my two siblings. How young? How much younger are the two siblings? So I'm 23. My sister just uh is 17. Oh, that's a gap. And my brother is nine. Oh, there's a gap. Yeah. Yeah. So. Is it with different parents or the same? same? My parents. uh, Yeah. It's the same same parents, but my dad and my mom. Uh, So initially I had wanted to go down to SoCal, but then stuff started to pop off with with my family. And I just, when I had applied to Berkeley, I just kind of did it on a whim. 
I know for some people, it's a school like their dream school. Yeah. But honestly, I didn't really know too much about it. I didn't really know anything. But when I was just applying to schools and stuff, even though my parents had had the privilege of going to college, they didn't really tell me too much about the process of what it was like to get in, to apply, things to look out for, things to consider when choosing a school. So when I chose Berkeley, thank you. <laughs> thank you for looking at my arm telling me not to scratch. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> when you chose Berkeley, <laughs> when I, fuck no, I'm itchy. <laughs> I got Cerave, bro. Oh, <laughs> I'll get some in a bit. Thank you. Yeah, love you, Quick Chris. Yeah. You're the best. Thank you for having me. Um, so when I got into Berkeley, it was a trip. Uh, I was a spring admit, so I got admitted into the as a spring admit. So I was like, first of all, I was like, this is dope. But second of all, why do I have to wait a semester to get in? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so. What was that experience like in terms of coming from? I, I just want to contextualize it in terms of like Logan. Union City, yeah. right? That working class, like, all right, you in a very predominantly Filipino space. Yeah. And then you go to Berkeley, which is a predominantly white institute still. Yeah. 20, I think they're 24 now percent. Yeah. And then Filipinos are just 3 percent, right? Yeah. And this is a very prestigious school in terms of like its notoriety. Yeah. Right? What was that transition like for you? Uh, I think it fed into my ego a little bit. I think I didn't realize until much later. Just kind of, I was like, I thought I was hot shit, you know. I was like, oh, I made it into Berkeley, but also like I, I earned this. I was trying to work hard to get into a good school, um, but also knowing like this degree is not just for me; it's for my my parents and also my siblings. But that kind of got twisted in like me trying to learn about that. But be, coming from the city, that humbled a lot. Humbled me a lot because taking it to the classroom taking it to the institution right it's you don't see that shit and you know you know berkeley is still the bay but being in the campus it's like it's his own world it's his own world yeah. it's his own world of seeing all these different folks uh and you know seeing how systemically and historically all these inequities have put been put into place um, you know, uh, continue to replicate them and continue to repl replicate themselves, and and so I think it was super unique though, having a strong identity of what it's meant to be Filipino prior to going to Berkeley, because I think for a lot of folks, their first inclination is to learn what it means to be Filipino at Berkeley, mm -hmm. and tied with that is a very institutional identity. Uh, and I think I've I've only realized that and reflected on that maybe within the last year of being away from it, um, you know. Um, like, how come you had that strong Filipino identity? And do you do you like identify yourself as Filipino, Filipino American? Yeah. What, what What do you like to use? I Philippine X, Philippine X, Pinoy. Yeah. Sorry, Joseph is texting me. <laughs> Shouts out to the boy, so Seth. Joseph. Seth, stop distracting. <laughs> Bro, you're going to be here later. Stop it. This I told him to just come through. Just come kick it with us or some shit. This fool. <laughs> stop distracting. <laughs> You'll be on the podcast next. <laughs> he, was at, he was episode two, I think. Really? Episode two or three, something. One of those early ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just... Uh, identifies filipino but the institutional identity is filipinx right like that's yeah, yeah. Uh, for me i identify just as being filipino well how specifically, come you had that like what was that was it 
some cultural thing in Union City? Was it your parents? Like, what's uh, that identity I grew up, of Filipino? I grew up in uh, basically Filipino Advocates for Justice, which is oh yeah, uh, yeah. they have a branch or they have an office in Union City called PYC, which is a Filipino Youth Coalition, and uh, that's where I think I got a lot of my initial organizing experience. Uh, a lot of those identity workshops, a lot of the language about growing in a grassroots organization. Did you do like their high school programming? Like, uh, that? I didn't do their high school program. I was only part of the after school program. So like every Wednesday, we would chill at the office from like 530 to 7. Yeah. And we would go kick it and do workshops for like one and a half to two hours every Wednesday uh, after middle school, after high school. And that was, that was fun because that's where I kind of, you know, got to learn what it was like to be Filipino in the Bay mm. and also learning how to, uh, learning how to strengthen that identity and also learn more about what it's like in the homeland, uh, having not been, having not been there myself, you know? Uh, so it's crazy. It's crazy, um, but also a blessing because I was able to, I don't know, growing up Filipino in the Bay is a very unique thing. Yep, yep, yep. And it's it's very fluid too because you kind of, all of the intergenerational ties, all the intergenerational differences, you know, that's kind of, that all kind of factors into your own lived experience. So Berkeley was kind of different, right? Because we often get twisted up in that idea of just being 3%. Mm. of the campus when there's so much so many of us in california but i think you know what do you mean we get twisted it uh, yeah like in terms of that three percent is it just to focus on that like what's the now being out of the space yeah. how do you see the filipino space philippine x space at cal at yeah. berkeley what yeah. would you have done differently when you were there or approached differently yeah i like? think because uh, for context, I know you were on staff for, for three years for PASS. That's the Philippine X Academic Student Services. That's one yeah. of the main recruiting retention orgs, right? Um, at Cal, and you were yeah. sta on staff for three years. Yeah. Uh, there are so many organizations, pill, pill orgs on campus mm. that I think. A lot of the ways in which the organizations function, we unconsciously just get siloed into those different specific communities. And we always talk about being one strong community when really maybe the only space in which we find that is in PCN. Mm. Right. It's true. Filipino culture night shout out. Right. Like and we don't really we're just so caught up in our own our own thing, right? That we have the one common identity of being part of that 3% potentially, but how do we get out of just talking about that and just learning how to celebrate who we are as people and bring all of our different lived experiences together to actually bring a wholesome experience to the fucked up institution that we're experiencing. Mm, mm. Right. Like the more we talk of broken stories are one thing, right. But if we continue to perpetuate those, then what are we doing to break that cycle? You know? Um, and that's a hard thing. 
uh, my best friend talked to me about. We had a really good conversation about that. I the idea of using terms like you know, low income, marginalized, disadvantaged, disproportionate, underserved, those things, uh, and mainly those terms are really used for funding, right? Like mm. nonprofits use it as key terms and phrases for people to latch onto, so that funders can give them money. When are we gonna ever come to a point in the education system where we have to stop talking? about our broken stories and just tell it as we are with our lived experiences right i can't say i've had too many broken stories because like i said i've i've had many you know points of privilege right and learn how to recognize those things is step one but it's i think a conversation that has to be fully fleshed out right like and it's a hard concept to try to 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 come out of when when you're organizing that's what you use mm. right like we constantly organize and talk about being a part of living in the margins when it's like uh the way in which this person put it and i definitely agree with is that does that mean that we all live outside of the lines of the paper when really we all kind of live it in the same way and when we when we come into the center of the margins and outside of those does that mean that everything around us around us kind of just happens to be okay and comes to an ideal situation not because it's years of historical exclusion and yeah so it's like a it's an interesting line between of like assessing the issues but not getting caught up in it right and then like creating the glory that you want or that yeah. you can like what's the yeah. narrative that are we always just Pe going to be asking for piecemeals right? nah, people are whole people bro like you have to stop your presumptions like when you're learning how to educate students for instance mm. um what are you coming to the table with are you coming to the table as an outsider have you lived their experiences before or you're just gonna presume everything that you know about them before you even get into know their name. Okay. And so, I don't know. Like Berkeley was a very dope experience. That's a whole, that whole conversation could be pinned for something else, right? Like yeah, another yeah. another yeah, time because yeah. that could be a whole two hours in and of itself. But Berkeley, you know, it was a it was a we always say as a privilege to go to. Uh, I like to frame it as you know the institution is always privileged to have us mm. to be a part of it, right? Not that we're privileged. It, we're privileged to be a part of the campus but the people around us are privileged to share with each other and that's what makes the school you know the classroom at least uh, worthwhile what did you study public health and asian american studies mm. uh, initially i was pre-med and i was like fuck that <laughs> um and i had to pre-health now yeah um but that was that took a lot of conversations to be had even now my mom's asking if i'm still gonna be a doctor <laughs> which i don't know that's the real coming out right of a filipino <laughs> mama <laughs> i'm not going to be a nurse or a doctor <laughs> i just learned why <laughs> you're trying to kill me <laughs> that's for real bro like even more so i think with uh my grandparents maybe and as a creative, it's hard to 
instill that. But I'm blessed to still have their support as yeah. people in my family. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Nai. Sorry, po. I'm not the nurse you yeah. wanted, but I sing really well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Berkeley was a dope time. I, I met some really great people. I had some really dope experiences. Um, learned well, a lot. Learned uh, learned a lot outside of the classroom too. Can you tell me, talk to me a little bit about Soul Vision? I know yeah. Soul Vision is birthed out of Berkeley, Berkeley and the students there. Soul Vision is a music collective started by two folks, Abraham Badia and Paolo Joaquin. Uh, he, the two of them, uh, Abe plays trumpet, keys, and he raps. He's a multi-instrumentalist. Paolo raps, produces plays drums uh they started soul vision back in 2015 just as the both of them to just perform and create music and later on for mmbc i think the following year which is the medical mission benefit concert put on by pac which is uh one of the health career organizations for the pill community uh he abe and paulo asked myself and nilbert to help perform so i played bass and then nilbert played sax since then we've kind of just been taking on new members and it's a collective of producers and, and djs and just creatives uh we haven't sat down in a while to just sit and plan but it's honestly just a, a good space for us to learn how to take care of ourselves through a creative outlet mm. and voicing our experiences growing up where we come from and then kind of finding the common ground of being in the bay in berkeley in, in that school in particular uh and using art as a way to kind of put a voice to our experiences uh but i love them they're my people like they they really are my second family um it's it'll be interesting to kind of see where it takes off what do you see yourself doing in terms of creativity like moving forward from now, what do you want to do? What do you envision? <sighs> I've been DJing a lot lately. DJing has been hella fun, actually. Just getting a crowd moving. Mm. Uh, and I think I have an ear for different types of music. And so it'll be cool to kind of see where that, where that flows and where that goes. Um, I want to put out more mixes. Um, listen to a whole lot more different music. Uh from all different types of genres just to kind of get my ear acclimated to it so i've been i think for the past couple of months i've just been focusing on djing a whole lot uh what's that when you say like different music yeah that's there's something beautiful about that because i can get caught up in a specific genre like i just want hip-hop mm -hmm. and rap and r&b yeah. at the most right and then i had this one friend who sent me a playlist and then she'd be saying oh uh, I'm kind of, uh, you're gonna see my white girl side, right? It's like, what? What does that mean? And yeah. then it was like all music I would never listen to, like some by Harry Styles, yeah. and like, and I was like, but some of it was fucking good. Yeah, like this acoustic shit. I found hella new people just through the playlist, and yeah. it really is kind of 
a beautiful experience to discover new shit that is not within my spectrum of experience or interest generally right but hit sonically like hit something in terms of my emotions right and like what i vibe with and it's a whole experience to like discover yeah. it and to go through and listen to new music again and again yeah so i think that's dope yeah that's part of being a good producer is keeping your ear open it's a different shit right and that's one of my challenges for myself is making sure i'm open to as much as possible um and learning how to say yes to just different genres uh, a lot of my current music i've just my selection be putting out some really crazy stuff selection yes um and it's just it's literally the future you think right. so? You think so? Uh, part of sound, it, it's, it, I think there's a newer generation of folks that are coming that have maybe started by listening to Selection and are yeah. creating their own wave of music now. But I like how Selection has a very smooth jazz soul yeah. and R&B, like that kind of, without too much of the heavy trap drums, yeah. right? It's a very smooth drums and but it's a wide range yeah. also yeah man they they are a group of folks that really know what it means to be a collective right and that's one thing that i think soul vision is trying to learn how to do is to actually see what it takes to be a successful group of musicians and artists um we just don't have the tools or knowledge just yet so we're trying to patiently create that and learn about that um but I guess in terms of, uh, of myself a little bit more DJing, for sure. Um, producing a little bit more, trying to learn how to play a little bit more piano. I feel like I haven't. I need that foundation. And then writing more. I think yes. just getting more in the habit of keeping a journal on me so that I can write more lyrics and stuff. I'm not the strong strongest lyrically. Um I can sing a, me a melody and and create chords and and create a song, but I can't write lyrics. <laughs> That's like not yet, not yet, not yeah. yet. We about to see it though. Yeah, right? hopefully. I want to see more music from you, bro. Especially <laughs> the singing shit. Yeah, man, that should be smooth. Thank you. And I'm expecting like an EP my next year or something like that. Yeah, it's like just to it's get coming. moving. It's right. coming. Yeah. Some of that that new that new harana you need to have you need to create songs that the up and comers be singing on the ukulele yeah right because you need to give them those tools yeah. to harana bro yeah right that's your responsibility hey. <laughs> that's how you give back to the next generation man that's true huh that's true right you've been served by gay bondock yeah. and passion you need yeah. to give back right that's because they already it. married and uh, doing their thing yeah right yeah like i it's something there's something beautiful though about when i see kids i see them at ceremony mall with their ukulele i'm like yeah boy <laughs> that's crazy crush, bro. I, haven't, I haven't heard i haven't seen that in a while really bro. yeah oh, they're still doing, going strong especially in these daily city schools like jefferson westmore south city there's at least a few that just lug their ukulele around yeah somewhere hella talented too when they sing yeah yeah i'm like boy like yeah. there's a future but you about to be a nurse huh <laughs> i had a few students when i was doing the after school sessions yeah they were planning on doing nursing but then they would sing when we have our creative nights and yeah. stuff like 
damn, son. It's in our blood. Yeah. There's something musical about our culture and about our people yeah. that like really embraces that. I'm yeah. not sure why. There must be some deep-rooted shit of like, some people have theorized that that is one way of survival of ourselves under colonialism, yeah. where you have to have some form of survival, of representation, of being able to be you. But if you actually notice, it's not violent, right? You right. can't, you won't get mad at a person singing, right. right? But it's their way of still surviving after right. hundreds of years of what Spain, like yeah. telling you when to work and all that. So maybe colonized by too many people, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> now being colonized by our own people, like, yeah. on some capitalist shit. Like, yeah, big businesses be running it in the Philippines. So it's kind of crazy when you also get a different perspective. Because I would share that you know how you'd be talking about privilege. Like even if I grew up in the Philippines, we were like middle class. Yeah, like definitely not poor rural. Yeah, but leaving the philippines living life as a brown person here in the u.s then and seeing the differences there the hierarchy right yeah then going back to the philippines is a trip because you see the hierarchy that is so blatant in your face based on class based on even how brown your skin is yeah. how well you dress it's so real that yeah. the it's almost like a copy and paste of 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 systematic inequalities in the U.S. to the Philippines, but just different placeholders, yeah. different identity placeholders of how well you speak English. The Philippines that. has fallen in love with the America. West. Yeah, basically America. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's it's a mix of both opportunity. You understand it because a lot of people want to move here because it is a better life. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's rooted in the occupation, the colonial, the yeah. violence of imposing, yeah. like, bruh, shout out to David Barrows, where there's Barrows Hall in Berkeley, where he believed in the scientific um, inferiority of Filipinos. Yeah. He set up or helped set up the colonial educational system in the Philippines yeah. because he believed That's that, true. oh, they're not, they're, they're inherently um, not capable to reach the same standards of white men yeah and that's what they believed it's yeah. crazy and there's a building named after him yeah yeah it's it's real i think uh i don't know i i hope for me personally i can hope hopefully tap back into working closely with the pill community again um i think after working in, in a non-profit that's not really focused in that for so long it's uh it's a lot that i i really just want to hopefully get back into mm. um I think it's one piece of my professional and personal life that I'm missing out on that I really need to tap back into. Uh, it's a Filipino community in the area. Yeah, because it's an interesting dynamic, right? Because I could just be caught up in Filipino hip-hop in America and what that looks like. But I don't know. I, I, I would love to just create music that's that can be loved by everybody mm. um, and it could just get you to groove right like that's my goal and if I could get people to dance that would be so cool and not just so be loved by everybody so more mixed babies more <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> well, these Filipinos get these oh Filipinos with the <laughs> deconstruct the 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 um what's it called the feminization yeah. of 
of Asian males. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Do the reverse Jet Li. <laughs> um, That's so real. Yeah, I was just I just bring that up because I posted about this book, uh, Asian um, Asian American men and women, yeah, and it talked about the fetishization of Asians, but specifically Asian women, yeah. hypersexualization of Asian women. At the same time, the emasculate emasculinization or the the uh, feminization of men, yeah, um, of Asian men specifically, whilst while still both. Um, reinforcing the white superiority of white male, right? Like as the prime attractive partner, right? And you see that in Silicon Valley, where the most common relationship you'll see is white male and Asian female. But that's real. That's real. That's the. I mean, we both went to war with Vietnam and Korea. Yeah. Right. America has those roots in there, and then you have the. It's too much sometimes. I just want to stop talking about it. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, just want to run up Bruce Lee with his... <laughs> yeah. But then that's also like coming to the US, I hyper-glorified white women. Yeah. Like I always wanted a white girlfriend yeah. like in middle school. I was like that one blonde girl, like I was just glorifying them. Yeah. And that has its roots in like every artista, every... Um, media celebrity in the Philippines is light skinned yeah. and looks American, you know. Right. So all these historical repercussions, but at the end of the day, I just want a harana. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to get off Instagram yeah. and do my work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot. We it's just a matter of prioritizing what we need to do in our life. I feel you. So getting to the end, um, I like wrapping up with three specific questions or okay. three. I want to with a specific question asking. What are three specific pieces of advice that you would give to your younger self in this context? Let's give the vision of this dude up in Union City, yeah. like Filipino, trying to find his thing, maybe getting into music a little bit, but also taking into account, right, what you shared about how you've um, replicated, reproduced certain bad habits, yeah. like based on your own family, personal history, things like that. What yeah. are three pieces of advice? That you would give to little Nico. Speak your truth. That's one. Uh, that's a big one, actually. Uh, two. Practice music more. <laughs> um, scales, is scale? scales, scales, and technical application. Uh, three. Show love and gratitude. Uh, I think I was always caught up in just trying to be a certain way or be somebody that I was not. That I think I could have showed a little bit more gratitude with people around me uh, and my family. Uh, not that I was like rude, but you know, those are moments that you take for granted that I don't think you could take back. Uh, those would be my three, I think. Can you expound what you mean by speak your truth? Like, how do you find that truth? And uh, 100% honesty. Being diplomatic in what, in, in, in what you share with, and finding the right time and place to do so. Um, but speaking in honesty and acting upon that 
uh, I think I, I've unconsciously taken those maybe unhealthy behaviors um, and acted upon those, uh, whether it's recently or, or years ago. Uh, and maybe used word in a, in a way to like manipulate an outcome I feel mm, like mm. Uh, control is one of those things that you know learn how to relieve that like SZA's album where she was talking about control and how when we lose control we kind of just go crazy right like that's that's a big piece like as an artist what you create is what you have complete control over, but that's not what life is like. Hmm. You know, that's, and that's, that's a very big writing point is learning how to let go of that and learning how to speak your truth is one way to stay in line with, with what's going on in the world. Hmm. Uh, Cause you know, you you could, you could literally dissociate from yourself if you keep <laughs> perpetuating unhealthy behaviors or, hmm. or feeding yourself or others lies. That's not fair. Uh, you get a half-hearted, half-assed experience. You know, very muted and not fully aware or conscious of what's going on. For sure. Yeah. I feel that. Thanks for sharing, brother. How can people get in contact with you if they want to collab, yeah. sit with a brother? What's the best way? Uh, find me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Nico Stefan and Ikeo. S T E P H E N, uh, Nico Space Stefan on Facebook and SoundCloud.com slash Nico Stefan. Give me a follow. Hey, his SoundCloud has got this new like Latin one, bruh. We'll probably, ooh, we're gonna close it off with that. Okay. I'll play it out. Are you gonna freestyle over it a little uh, bit? I can't. Oh, well, we'll see. We'll see. You can do some melody, vocal melodies. Okay. You're gonna vocal melody some, some of that shit. Yeah. And then we'll see. We'll uh, see how it goes. Maybe I'll play a little guitar over it. I don't know. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, do you have any last messages for anybody? Uh, last message. Closing remarks from Nicole Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> Pilgrad once again, your, your 40, <laughs> 40 second speech. <laughs> oh my God. Um, shit give thanks share love uh peace honesty respect peace honesty respect baby yeah. <laughs> um i'll play this are you ready with your guitar yeah okay okay let's play so around. this one this is called obrigado um decaps it's an ode to a brazilian duo uh who make really dope baile music um a lot of my influences come from Sango, who's a who's mm. a mm. selection artist, mm -hmm. uses a lot of Brazilian sounds and stuff. So I just kind of fucking flip the sample on his head. Uh, this is one of my more electronic-based music, uh, but with a really dope groove. So hope y'all hope y'all like it. Okay. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> this is crazy. Woo. I made this shit when I was like. I was just hella tired. I was like, I gotta put some. Baile. Toma my Latinas out there. 
that's it. Bro, we ain't gonna end, let it end like that with just a little run that back one more. Now it's all vocal freestyle. Kill it. I don't know how to scat, but you know, Masego be doing nah, it. Nah, you got it. You got it, bro. That shit was clean. We need a whole <laughs> we need a whole two minutes and a half for that. You can't just end it like that. Hey, I love this song, actually. Shout, I don't this know what the sample smooth. is. Shouts out, Queen Chris, you the best. Hey, you the front. Uh, Nico, I don't know how to freestyle, Stephane. but you, you freestyle, bro. I'ma go rip it. Uh, I'ma go speed it. Grab the ticket. Uh, are you ready to rock with us? I'm with it. I just wanna keep on winning. This guy's getting. Uh, all the music he be blasting, outlasting. I just think he outlandish. Uh, that's just jazzy bebop shit. Man, it's snappy. I just wanna be with that hit. Feel it go. Thanks for coming on, brother. Killed that shit. Bro, that, Ooh, that was some was... freestyle shit. Ooh, that that scatting, that's some melodic. Uh, I'm gonna get on my scales now, fam. Yeah, that's talk just... to me. Talk to me in a year, <laughs> bro. When I when I'm creating, I'm just like, okay, this shit don't. I have like a general idea. I just be spitballing. Like I seen an interview of John Mayer mm. when he's creating songs. He'll just like create a basic basic chord structure and just like hum. Or really big influences like him for guitar and then Pharrell, just like sonically. Oh. Sonically, like he he just he'll just sing a melody. Uh there's a video on YouTube of him doing this beat with Chad Hugo. Uh 
I Filipino think, shout out. Yeah, Filipino <laughs> shout out. Motherfucker crazy. Um, but he'll like put out the basis foundation of the track and then Pharrell just like. And it's like gibberish, gibberish through the words. And then eventually just find a melody that will fit in the pocket of the song. But I don't know. That's just kind of like my creative process is just trying to put out random shit, see what I'm feeling in the moment, and hopefully find therapy through what I create mm. and have it be wholesome. Mm. But thank you for having me, man. It's, yeah, it's thanks been a for long coming time on, coming, man. Bro. Long time coming. It's been man. a blessing to cross paths <laughs> with you finally, bro. No, man. The other side of the bay. <laughs> and randomly at Cal, that was yeah. like that was some chance shit. That it's meant to be, bro. That's yeah. what it is. It's one of those things where it's like we go finally, bro. And we're talking about love. That's the highlight. We know we Filipino. <laughs> we talk about music and love yeah, <laughs> I could do it all day <laughs> Episode 2 <laughs> I love episode We'll have more fleshed out Yeah <laughs> Cause that's shit Some real shit <laughs> We need Nah bro We need to have a circle of men Talk about love Like we'll have We'll have a few more Come up in here yeah. And we talk about The different aspects The mistakes learned And what we trying to do For the future For the next generation Not to be fuck boys But to be like Men on their shit On healing That appreciate The beauty of The experience It starts with ourselves dude. And being honest It's what we need to work on True <laughs> Peace Thanks brother Peace <laughs>